I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Five Times Podcast. To see a legend near you, check out the events page on our website, fivetimes.co.uk. Welcome to this week's Five Times Podcast. What a week it's been with victories against West Brom in the Premier League and Tottenham in the League Cup, a place in the quarterfinal for us. Delighted to say that the guests we have for you on this podcast, former Reds, Jan Moby, Phil Babb, Dominic Matteo, also joined by former Liverpool youth team coach, Carl Robinson. And we also have a Crystal Palace view for you with former Crystal Palace player Clinton Morrison joining us to look ahead to that game this weekend. Please take a look at the website for a long list of events coming to a town near you involving our former players. Lots going on in the lead up to Christmas. Jamie Carragher, he's coming to the USA in November. Robbie Fowler heading out to Australia and New Zealand also. Please have a little look at that at www.5times.co.uk for all the details of those nights. Let's get stuck into this week's podcast. Coming soon to a city near you, the Liverpool Legends. For more information and ticket prices, check out our website, fivetimes.co.uk. First up tonight to a double winner with Liverpool, one of the finest midfielders of his generation, and not only our former players ex-chairman, but a hugely well-respected pundit these days, and delighted to say joining us, Jan Mulby. Jan, the victory against Tottenham the other night in the League Cup was impressive, but it... Jurgen Klopp decided to make 11 changes. Was that a surprise, do you think? Yeah, it was. Uh, we'd gone very strong when we played at Burn and Derby earlier in the season. And, you know, I think he'd made no bones about it that this was a, a competition worthy of winning. Uh, so I was surprised he made as many changes as as he did. It was almost as if he knew, it was almost as if he knew that Spurs was going to make a, a load of changes as well. And he thought, we'll, we'll, we'll just get away with it. In the end, I mean, our players of the sort of second string we're ahead of Spurs at the moment that's for sure Yeah there was no surprise to see Spurs making that many changes but was that an indication to show how strong the current Liverpool squad is? Well he possibly felt I mean early on in the season it was all about getting a rhythm into the first 11 and some of the fringe players had a lot of pre-season friends so, so they were quite sharp anyway but some of them haven't played for a while so I think he felt that they needed a game. You know, it's all very good when things are going well, isn't it? But you still need to try and look after as many as you possibly can. So I think he felt being at home, Spurs being weakened, it was a good opportunity to give everybody everybody a run out. What did you make of that midfield? It seemed a midfield diamond of Stuart, Vinalda, Majaria and Gruwich, very young midfield, inexperienced, but seemed to do very well. Yeah, I thought they did well. I mean, obviously, the team plays very much in the manner that, that props up the first 11 playing in. It, it lacks a little bit of the control of the first team, and it lacks a little bit of the quality. Uh, but there's enough to get excited about. I mean, we possibly do have a, a tendency to get overexcited, isn't it? But, but I think there's a lot of players to, to work with. And, and what Klopp does, he works with players, doesn't he? You know, he improves them. And uh, I think there's some of those players we saw against Spurs, we'll see again and we we'll see a lot more. Has it created perhaps a team selection problem for this weekend against Crystal Palace? One or two of them may creep into Jurgen's plans for the weekend? 
No, I don't think so. I, I think he's pretty, pretty straightforward and pretty strong on 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 what his best lineup is, and and it's going to take something special for somebody to change his mind. So there might be one or two surprises on the bench, but in terms of his strongest eleven. I think at the moment it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, well, well I'm looking at the t- team that lined up against West Brom and Emre Chan was in there, but Vinaldum got vital minutes the other night against Tottenham and, and he's been absolutely superb since he arrived in the summer. You think he's he's just about getting those minutes under his belt perhaps to come in for the Palace game? Yeah, I do, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the problem that Emre Chan has got is that w- when you don't play and the team is flying and, and obviously the type of football that we're playing which requires requires you to be sharp, it's very, very difficult to come into that situation. So I think Vinaldo will come back in. He's got that sharpness, and then Emma Chan will, will, will just have to wait. I mean, one thing that's on his side is he's only a young boy. He's obviously frustrated if he doesn't play in it. But the, you know, the ones who are playing, none of them have played themselves out of the team. They're all playing extremely well. So I think it'll be Vinaldo back in and everybody else would be the same I, I mean we're talking there about how strong the current Liverpool squad is but how does Jürgen keep them happy you know there's, there's so many wanting to be playing but there's a, a lot fewer games this season but you can see the freshness certainly in the current team no absolutely I mean having no European conversation is, is, is obviously something you're going to miss isn't it? but on the other hand it's, it's an advantage how does he keep them happy I think he's pretty straightforward isn't he it's, it's my way or the highway uh, in, in, the, in the nicest possible way uh, you want to be part of it. You will be part of it. We will, in, we will involve you as much as we can. Uh, but you might not get as many minutes as we'd like. But at some stage further down the line, there'll be plenty of minutes for these young boys. They'll have to be be patient. And, and just, that's just the way. I think he's proved that already as to with certain players. Is that this is the way I do things. And you either like it and you buy into it, or we'll, we'll find you somewhere else where you can play your football. Yeah, it certainly seems that everyone is buying into it. There's a great feel at the club at the moment. It was interesting listening to Graham Sooners the other night on his take on Daniel Sturridge saying that he he needs to perhaps change his style a little bit more. But the way Liverpool lined up against Tottenham, it was a 4-4-2 and Daniel Sturridge thrived with a partner next to him in Origi. Whereas we've seen him, he hasn't scored a Premier League goal yet. He's almost been the the individual striker and hasn't really benefited as much from that. But the other night, did you think that system really suited him? Well, it appears that way, doesn't it? I mean, you go on what we've seen, what we've seen with our own eyes is, was his partnership with Suarez when he was at his best. Uh, and Suarez did what he did. Suarez plays regardless of there's anyone alongside him, whatever, he just gets on with it. But I think it's important for Daniel to have somebody as a foil to take it away from him. Or eager to be fair credit to him, he played ever so well against Spurs. And, you know, he's got something as well, isn't he? You know, he's got all that pace and that strength and whatever. So, story for the partner. Stories with a partner is definitely better uh, than than stories without a partner. You know whether whether that can be something that can be done in the next series. I, I don't know. I mean, he has got his system as New Jurgen, so it's 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 possibly either that stories gets gets up to speed and produces in the Premier League, or we go back to you know. Probably Firmino as, as almost like a false number nine. Well, I think that's credit to Firmino, isn't it? You know, the fact that we're all talking about Daniel Sturridge as being one of the best finishers England has. And he, and he, again, the other night, he gets opportunity, scores two goals. But we look at the weekend against Palace and Firmino's nine. You know, it'd be a bigger surprise to see Sturridge starting than, than Firmino, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I and mean, Firmino just suits the system, doesn't he? Uh, he came, and you know, during Brendan Rodgers' time and we were all looking and thinking, yes, I see the talent, but but sometimes it's it's, it's very much like Manchester United experience with Pogba, isn't it? How do you fit certain players in? 
and Jurgen Klopp comes along and then all of a sudden Firmino is in and he's a key player and he plays in the system and he plays in the position that he understands and almost overnight he becomes a key player. Uh, so, so that's fantastic and that's the strength of a, of a coach, isn't it? Looking at your best... Being a great manager, a great coach, is all about getting plenty from your best players, isn't it? Because in the end, they're the ones who are going to make the big difference and the club is getting the best from all our potential match winners. Mm-hmm. We asked Twitter to put a couple of questions for yourself and one of the questions that at John Garber wants Yamoba to answer out of the current squad which foreigner could be the best adopted scouser do you think? Well obviously out of the, the ones he's probably been there the longest hasn't he? but I think I think previously the, the likes of Dirk Kite and, 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 and Lewis Garcia and Daniel Aga and they all bought into it, didn't they? They all enjoyed being mm-hmm. here and I think Lucas Lucas is as close as you're gonna get, isn't it? I mean what he's mm-hmm. been through and coming over here as a young boy and, and he's really fitted in well and you know, the amount of work that he does unseen off the pits and whatever. So I would have to say that you know, Lucas would be the one for me, I don't know how long he's got left in Liverpool, but he's certainly won even in difficult times he's very much bought into that whole thing that one Liverpool's about he seems to survive every transfer window he's linked with going away <laughs> yeah 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 no absolutely <laughs> definitely a survivor isn't he? <laughs> yeah. uh, one more question at Nigel Cody wants yeah. to know did you study Cruyff's passing or how he went about his business because you're the pa- best passer I've ever seen well I mean we can always debate on who's the best or whatever isn't it but uh, in terms of playing with with Johan Cruyff for, for 12 months it was an incredible experience uh, I don't know whether it was one that maybe bypassed you a little bit because as a young boy and trying to establish yourself you're so busy with other things And uh, but but I can only say that it was a pleasure and it was incredible to see some of the things he did and I was always amazed at the vision that he had you know people you've often heard the saying of eyes in the back of your head and you know what he did and what he saw was incredible uh, whether I took anything away from him I don't really know apart from the pleasure of, of, of playing alongside him for 12 months Nice stuff to finish with Liverpool great momentum at the moment that victory against West Brom in the Premier League looking ahead to the Palace game how do we approach this one? Well we, we, we approach every game the same uh, you, know, you know there's no there's no team that's going to make Jurgen change his mind or put him on the back foot He's a front foot manager. He's going to be ready for it. Uh, I think Palace is going to drop deep, try and deny a space. They're going to give themselves and then take a plenty of opportunities to shine because I think there'll be a lot of long balls, a lot of crosses. Uh, and as much as I think we'll win the game, I think we've also learned, and, and, I, and I do find this incredibly frustrating, is that the clean sheet things, uh, we concede goals, there's no warning. It, it just happens all the time. It's the penalty against Spurs, the goal against West Brom from nowhere, whole city scored at Anfield. You kind of go, where did this team get these goals from? So that does annoy me a little bit in the book. I still, I think it'll be a tough game. It's always a tough game at Palace. They kind of get themselves wound up playing Liverpool, isn't it? But, but I think we'll just have enough. I hope so. Let's hope so. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks for joining us. No problems at all, Neil. This is the Five Times Podcast, hosted by Neil Meller at Ellie's in Greasby. Let's speak to a former Red who was part of a famous generation of youngsters graduating through the ranks at Liverpool. Not only that, but he sees a lot of the next generation also in his current role, working at LFC TV with the various youth teams we see. I'm delighted to say joining us on the Five Times Podcast is Dominic Matteo. Dom, 
How are we? Evening, mate. Very well, you? Yeah, very well, thank you. It was a proud night for the academy. Obviously, um, it was it was a good night for Liverpool beating Tottenham in the League Cup, but also to see two first-team starts for younger Jaria and Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, how deserved do you think that is? Yeah, obviously, I've seen quite a bit of them over the last maybe ten months, possibly when I've been doing a bit for for the football club TV station and. Um, I think they've both developed really well. I think they've both improved. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, for me, is probably the one that I've been most impressed with if I had to choose one out of the two, but they've both made great progress. I think Trent was one that I think the club were hoping would come through and he's kind of on the right track. Um, you know, He's come right through the ranks from such a young boy. He's a local lad, so I think for me, he's the one that you know the club were hoping to get through because I think you need to have a local player in your first team squad or in the round I think it always helps I think the fans relate to it and obviously with a Jara as well another one from the academy coming through is also a great boost um, mm. for the academy also what I was saying last night as well is it gives the young lads who, who haven't had that taste of it yet it just gives them a, you know, optimism that there is a chance if they keep going working hard training well doing the right things and you know maybe looking at these boys as a bit of inspiration for them to go and achieve a first team game you know I think a few years ago at the football club players were there and there's probably no route to the first team I think now it's more apparent under the new regime that there is if, you, if you're good enough and you're willing to put the hours in and put the, the hard yards in as you know yourself you know, you know at Liverpool Football Club you don't just give it on a plate you've, no. you've got to you know you, you need to earn that kind of it's kind of a respect of the of the managers and the coaches and also it's a big trust thing I always found it was, it was a bit of a trust thing when especially being a defender that they had to trust you before they put you in and uh, I think that's um, a word that I used quite a lot when I was growing up it maybe took a little bit of a while for them to trust me mm-hmm. um, playing at the back sometimes I think it's a bit more difficult to break through because you know you can make more mistakes and if you make a mistake at the back you know it can cost you but I think it was a great night for the academy again and it's great to see that you know it's been a while since we've got a few players through and I think it, we need to keep that happening yeah, you mentioned the word boost for the academy. Yeah. And it, and it must have been not just for the 23s, the 18s, and thinking about as low down as, you know, the youngsters, the under 8s, under 9s, under 10s. When you when you say the word boost, it gives the, them the hope, but also a little bit of confidence that, do you know what, if, if I keep going, I keep doing the right things, it may be me out there for Liverpool's first team. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I can only relate back to when I was growing up at the football club, you know, started at 10, very similar time to Robbie Fowler. You know, Robbie was, you know, an unbelievable talent. Um, but as I was coming through, there was players above us getting into the first team, you know, like McManaman was a big example to us lads for, you know, a little bit higher up mm-hmm. um, to someone to follow. I think sometimes it's good to have someone to follow in, you know what I mean? It's like someone that you might know or you relate to or you've spoke to. And I think I think for me personally, these two lads getting opportunities like that, and, you know, it's a big game as well. I'm feeling a big crowd against yeah. a good side. No matter what type of side Tottenham put out, they've got a top manager and they're, they're a club going places. And I think it showed a lot of a lot of faith in, in, in the academy last night when he played the two boys. And, you know, if you look at the game last night, I know Trent got taken off, but he's obviously on a yellow card and I think it was probably wise. But, you know, I finished the game quite strong. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was a yellow card or maybe more? Um, nah, I mean, listen. Uh, I, to be fair, I thought the ref managed it well, actually, because I think he understood that there was, you know, lads from both teams that, you know, a bit younger and not used to that, maybe that atmosphere and that, you know, there was a lot at stake for them. So I think he he, he dealt with it well, and I think I think Lucas Labour actually was uh, had a, had a little word with Trent after the after the tackle, and um, you know, just calmed him down a little bit, which I think you need sometimes as well. I think uh, you know, you'll know yourself when you're coming through sometimes. You have want to put a tackle in, or you want to do something a bit rash, and sometimes you just need one of the senior pros just to pull your side and 
cool you down a bit. Uh, I think you spot on there. I think it was common sense by the referee. I think if it was a yeah. Premier League, you know, perhaps a different minute or something. But you've got to understand the situation. You know, Tottenham made ten changes, Liverpool eleven changes, and, and because of that circumstance, I, th- I thought the referee got that spot on. What, what I was going to ask you was, Trent's got his debut, brilliant, made up for him. Majority of first start. But it's what's next? It's that waiting process of when's my next game going to be? I've had a little taste now. Yeah, how tough is that? That patience bit. I mean, it's. I mean, it took me. It took me probably longer than maybe what these guys left to do. I, I have to be very patient. I was in and out of the team, playing a few games in each seasons, and it's about keeping your mental. You, you know, mentally, you have to keep yourself right. And I always knew I'd get there. But sometimes, you know, with injuries and stuff when you're young as well, you, you know, I, I had a few injuries, so it maybe took me a little bit longer to get established as, as you know what it what it is for certain players. But I think that these two boys now, is they've had a taste of it, they're going to want more of it, but they're going to have to be patient and realise that. You know, for me, if you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold for a, for a, for an example, if you look who he's let go, he's let Flanagan go, and he's also let Ibe go. The two players he possibly could have played at fullback. So I think he showed a lot of faith in Trent when he mm. actually let them two boys leave the football club. You know, if you look down the line, all right, there's other players you could possibly fill in there. We know James Milner played at left back, right work anywhere. Emre Shan could probably play there if he had to. But I think now, I think you know, if Klein did get an injury. You know, there is a possibility with the confidence that Trent has as well. He's a confident boy. He's yeah. seen that last night. He wasn't scared to get in a tackling or getting forward. I think that for me was, it was you know, him getting shown that, you know, when them two boys left the football club, the ones I mentioned, that, you know, there's an opportunity here for me. If I keep going, you know, there is an injury to Klein. He showed last night he's more capable of coming in and doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Well, even Rand- Randall had a couple of opportunities. Yeah. And he yes. may, he may yeah. well have gone above him, but, you know, that's credit to yeah. Trent for, for the way he's been performing. I, I, I wonder about... The influence of the academy and it's been great work going down there, and particularly Alex Inglethorpe because Trent Trent's played central midfield now. He played for the first team the other night against Tottenham as a right fullback. Stewart arrived at the football club as a fullback. He's now operating as a defensive midfield player. We're talking about the great work going on, but these players have actually got into Liverpool's first team. Yet when they're in our academy structure, we're actually playing different positions. Yeah, I don't think that does you any harm, though. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm one that definitely knows about that. I played all over as a kid, and you know, even in, even throughout my career, I just played where, wherever I was asked to play. And I think at the academy, maybe the, it's just a good learning curve to play in different positions. And mm-hmm. you know, if you if you, I think if you if you're at Liverpool Football Academy, you should be a decent footballer anyway. I think if you're a decent football and you've got a decent football mind, which these lads obviously have, you can play anywhere on the football park within reason. You know, I think all right, goalkeepers especially, and sometimes a striker is a striker, but I think. If you're a decent footballer, you can play anywhere across the back line or in midfield, for me personally. A lot's being said about to bridge the gap from youth team football to the first team. I feel as though Liverpool are perhaps a little bit different to most 23s this season where we're seeing more senior players playing, which which is helping these young players. So I'm seeing Trent step up, but he's been in a, playing in a in a team with a couple of senior lads dropping down, the likes of Sako, Ilari, Ings. And I, th- I really think that is helping these young players so they're not overawed when they are in that environment. I totally agree, mate. You're absolutely bang on. I mean, that's the one thing I've noticed so much just from this season. I think it should have happened so much sooner. You know, from when I played the reserves, you always had a few uh, the big-time players we used to call on the first team as dropping down mm. for the fitness or whatever reason. They played in the reserve games in the Pontins League. And it was always good to see how they prepared for the games and how they took care of themselves and speaking to them and learning things off them. I think that's exactly what's happened this season. For the first time, you know, they must be getting a look at the first team players in a game situation and going, right, well, I can do that. Or, you know, this is I should be doing this. And it's just learning and learning good habits. And I think the lads who have dropped down to refer to them, 
you know, without naming singling anyone out, I think they've all had great attitude towards playing in the 23s, and I think all the boys have really learned from them. And I think the young lads will respect that. Sometimes when the big time boys drop down and they don't show the effort, sometimes it's it's a difficult one. But I think this season, from what I've seen, everyone who's played in the under 23s has showed a, a spot on attitude. And I think it's really developed the young players. Yeah, I've enjoyed it myself. Next up, it's Crystal Palace. Everything we're flying at the moment. We're right in the mix in the Premier League. We're through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup after that victory against Tottenham. Made eleven changes. Do you think any of those changes will start again at the weekend against Palace? I, I mean, for me, I, I, well, for me, I'm, I'm looking at Vinyaldum and thinking you've got through the game time there. He's the obvious one. Sturridge did great, absolutely great with the two goals. I just don't know if he's going to put him in. No, I think you're right. I think Vinaldum is probably the one. Vinaldum's probably the one who will come back in, in my opinion. But I'm not too 100 percent sure on that. I think, you know, um, will he play Emre? I don't know. He's, will he play Emre as well? I mean, Shangi could play. So he's, he's got a couple of choices to make, but he's got good problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one apparent thing from from last night for me is how serious the the gaffer's taking the league. You know, we're in a great position, and you think to re- I didn't think he'd rest that many players. I think you know, me and Steve Hunter were doing the commentary. We were expecting some changes, but not as many as that. And then we were chatting before the game, and we're talking. You know, look at this. You know, he's believing. I'm not saying you know he believe. Well, I'm, I'm sure he is believing. We can got a chance of winning because we're definitely in the mix. But I think he's he's taking the league so serious this year um, that that that's why we've seen so many changes. I mean, he knows what a difficult game Palace is going to be at the weekend. Um, and I think you're right. I, I, I mean, I don't think Daniel will start. I think he was excellent. He probably could have had five or six goals against Tottenham. Yeah, so. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, he, he, you know, to bring Daniel Sturridge off the bench, you know, is, is, is shows how strong you are. For me, you know, the front three of Mane, uh, Coutinho, and Firmino have got to start because of the last performances. You know, but I don't know. I think Daniel Sturridge has done himself no harm, and it's, it's a great headache for for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, certainly be perhaps an option if needed from the bench. How do you think, you know, finally looking at the Palace game, we're going to maintain this good momentum, good form. You know, we're beating West Brom. You saw that game last weekend. Made it difficult for us. It's hard to break down those sort of sides. I think Palace will be a different sort of threat with the crosses coming in and perhaps offer more going forward. But but it's important, isn't it, to to get something down there this weekend? Well, listen, we need to go there and defend well. When you go away from home, places, places, places... Like Palace, we've been there. I've you know, been there playing myself. It's not the best place to go and play football. They've got a good atmosphere, and one of the best atmospheres for me in, in the Premier League. It's bouncing the ground. They'll be up for it. They've not had a couple of things. They've lost the last couple of games, so they'll need a win. Mm. You, know, you know, the manager will be on their cases. Obviously, you know, Benteke, if he plays, he's going to. He's got a point to prove. Uh, I, I think. I think it's a tough game. I mean, the, the only thing I would say that we're still, we're still, we're still making them elementary mistakes in games. Even last night, the penalty. Penalty, and even there's a couple of times of giving the ball away, the goalie taking chances. I think away from home, especially, we can't afford to take chances, especially at the back. You know, I know it's great to play out from the back, but I just feel that Carrius obviously probably going to start the game. Him and Mignolet have got to sort out when it's time to kick the ball up the field and when it's time to play out. And I think if we can, if we go there and defend well and defend set pieces well, because you know what it's going to be like, they're going to be throwing balls in the boxes, they're strong on set pieces, and. If we defend well, I think we'll win the. I think we'll win the game. But if we go there and, and give Palace a sniff and give them a chance, they'll they'll capitalise on it. Well, I hope they don't. I hope it's three more yep. points for us. Well, thanks for joining us, Dom. Absolute pleasure, mate. Cheers, Tom, pal. Cheers. To hear previous podcasts, checkouts, and rate our page on iTunes. Thanks for listening.
Next up on the Five Times podcast, a former Liverpool youth team coach who went on to make a great name for himself as one of the brightest young managers in the game, just 29 when he got that first job at MK Dons, securing promotion also to the Championship. Very successful time he had there. Until the weekend, he was the third longest serving manager in English football. Delighted to say joining us is Carl Robinson. Robbo, how are you? Hello, mate. I'm really good, pal. Really, really good. Obviously, a little bit, a little bit strange playing golf every day and, and everything else that comes with being unemployed but it's uh, it's been a, an interesting few days Was it was it tough to hear that news? Well do you know what mate we're not, we're not stupid are we listen I'm a, remember I'm a football fan and watching Liverpool for years and years and years you're almost as an order around when you get bad results there's certain bad results that you know aren't going to affect nothing um, we played poorly and, and something happened in the game there was a moment in the game where Leading up, leading up to the game, I just I, I've not felt right for a while, if mm-hmm. being honest. Um, I keep my cards very close to my chest. I don't think it's professional at all. To you never put your fingers at anybody in any walk of life. Whether you're a builder, whether you're a manager, whether you're a solicitor, whether you're a fireman, whether you're a, whatever you are, you have to take responsibility for your own actions sometimes. And I think there's things that sometimes go behind the scenes that a lot of people know. And I was the frustration was starting to be in me. And my wife said to me a month ago. Um, you're not yourself you need to sort of make out and maybe that led into things and I just something happened on Saturday that I just knew it wasn't a good time we had a chat on the Sunday me and the chairman uh, a real long chat and a very good chat and it was one of time to go mm. and I knew that and I respected that and I will never look back and what I am mate I'm so so proud of what I've achieved I'm so, so proud. Listen, and this sounds so corny and you're going to laugh at this, mate, but <laughs> growing up support and I believe the greatest football club in the world. And I'm probably one of the only managers that have still nailed, I'm still nailed, everyone knows who we support, everyone knows we're passionate for Liverpool Football Club and mm-hmm. that's something that I'm never, ever going to change because we grow up as kids supporting these football clubs and I grew up thinking about Shankly and Paisley and Fagan and all these people did and what people like that did, they changed the community, they changed cities, they changed things and Milton Keynes had no history it had no development it had no youth programme really really moving forward and a bit, that being my background and working under what I believe is the greatest coach on the planet in Steve Highway um, I don't care what anybody says I will argue that with, with everyone uh, it was something that when I look back I'm, I'm really really proud that they have an identity the fans have a passion for the football club we've beat Man United 4-0 we beat AFC Wimbledon in the FA Cup. A former Liverpool player in the semi scored in the winner. I don't know how he scored it, pal. Did, he didn't I've score never... many for you, did he? He scored none. <laughs> so twelve million pounds worth of players. That's net profit. Um, and it, I've just had the most amazing six and a half years. So so good. And I'm leaving now. The more and more the days go by, the frustrations and the angers have gone. It's now more. I'm so excited about what I've achieved and. The message of support. Every single player's phoned me. Every the players want to do is this and that. It's been it's been quite overwhelming, really, and quite emotional from the response. So I'm I'm in a good place, mate. And I'm, I'm my golf has been brilliant for the last two days. Some, <laughs> my shoulders feel free. My wrists are coming through perfect. So maybe that's what's been affecting my golf for six and a half years. 
we, we've had a huge impact on so many players throughout your time as the coach there and as you say some great times I remember obviously you beating Manchester United convincingly in the League Cup and we all enjoyed that but you mentioned there Steve Highway and what were some of the things that you, you really learnt from him? Mate, I'll never ever forget right we were coming to Thailand there was me Phil Neal Ronnie Whelan and we were going over to do a we were teaching the coaches of Thailand um, about a, I remember we did sort of Peter With who obviously a scout as well who, who was actually the Thailand national team manager at the time and I said to Steve I walked past his office and, and you know this mate you walked past Steve's office very very quietly it was like you think please don't call me in please don't call me even as a coach please don't call me in please don't and he went Carl and uh, hi Steve he went to, when do you go to Thailand I said we go tomorrow Steve and he went just remember who you're representing I said no no Steve he went the greatest club in the world he said that's what everyone thinks so make sure you upheld the badge and I sort of walked out and that moment made me realise the influence that a football badge has Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is Plush Care Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As on the world. And, and when, when I remember a young player, I was taking 13 one day. And typical Steve, you know, mate, you've you've worked on them for, for for many years. I said to him, as soon as you walked in the gym as a coach, you thought, oh my god, I've I've just been doing defending, and this is now going to turn into a left-footed right winger or a right-footed left winger coaching session. As you well know, <laughs> everything turned into a crossing and finishing session when he walked into the room, and um, he was out wide in the indoor, and he said to one of the young players, "Can you pass me the ball?" And a young player passed him the ball, and he smashed it back at the kid. And he went, pass me the ball. And the kid passed the ball to him again. And he smashed it back at him. And he said, pass me the ball like a Liverpool player. And the kid, as you well know, as soon as people say that, I'm even getting all goose because the kid smashed it into Steve. Steve controlled it. He went, I'm an international player for the greatest club in the world. And that's how I want to receive it. Mm. And then he started coaching the kid. So actually, even though he was coaching a wide player, he just coached the whole group in 30 seconds about what it takes to play for what he believes. Every single day he told me Liverpool was the greatest club in the world. And we had to uphold ourselves and look smart. And, and, and everything about it was about Liverpool. It was never at any, any time about Steve Highway. He, he, he was the greatest man. And I feel real... It's so strange. He came to watch us play Wigan about two years ago. And um, ironically. And he... Um, he, he came and, and I said to Darren Potter, I said, Potter, Steve's coming tonight. And Potter went, oh my God. I said, what do you mean? He went, I'm now nervous. I went, sure. He went, if he's coming, I'm nervous. And it made me nervous. 
he came in the room after the game and went, what the bloody hell are you doing passing the ball like that? And, uh, <laughs> it was like, he, he, he's just got this thing about him and an aura that he, I, I can't be kind enough for me. And I don't think, unless you work under him, I think a youth, the best youth team coaches are ones who you didn't like as a kid, strangely. And the older you get, you realise how good they were because the principles and the morals and the basics that they teach you actually last you through a lifetime. Not just through your football lifetime, but your whole life. It's great listening to you saying about that because I remember Stevie Highway when he had his Mercedes at the academy when I was under 17. We'd be training down there with Dave Shannon. As soon as you've seen the Mercedes coming down... Oh, my, driver, up the, driver up the middle. Yeah, driving down the middle, <laughs> windy as anything. Oh, my... You, on it you've got to be on it now and like you say I mean you know they were the sort of standards that he set um, but he had that that aura about him he had that that thing which which got the most out of players I but, mean, but that's changed this has changed like this eats up people rubbish right I don't care what people think of me saying this it's now we've Steve always used to say you should have small numbers working with great coaches now I see Thousands of kids playing for academies all up and down the country with three times more coaches. The more coaches, and sometimes you might have the best coach working with the 44th best player. And you can't tell me there's four great coaches at every age group. So, and you can't tell me there's 40 great players at every age group. We had to have the, the, the balls in some ways to release players as kids just because he believed that it was about the quality, not the quantity. And the quantity of youth football in this country has increased. And just because the England team don't win a World Cup or don't win a... doesn't mean our youth development system's rubbish. So, Robbie Fowler, Steve McManaman, and Michael Owen, Stephen Gerrard, Jamie Carragher, little David Thomas, that, that production line at that football club at that era was outstanding. And you look at, whether we like it or not, the Man United, the West Ham of this world, their production line was equally as good. And just because we don't win a World Cup, all of a sudden we have to change what we do. That doesn't have a fundamental factor on the development of the national team. What does have a fundamental factor is the coaches who are coaching them and the opportunities they get in the Premier League at a younger age. But not the youth development at Liverpool Football Club, at the academy under Steve and, and, and Dave Shannon was outstanding with his bag of worms and his reverse passing <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> One of the worst sessions ever, that bag of worms oh, no, the Oi, quiet, oi. I've tried that. I tried yeah. that with my first team. That's why I never signed they, for you. Listen, let's get the story straight, Mel. You wanted to, but your knees were snookered. <laughs> that's one way of putting it. I signed you. That's one way of putting it. I you. I signed you, and then you phoned me three days later. And then Rob, listen, I've, got a, I've had a nightmare. So what? He went, my knees gone, I've got to retire. And I literally, I just turned the forward down two days earlier. And I mean, only got relegated that year, Mel. Yeah, no, but he wasn't in my class, was he? Right, anyway, so uh, you, you, <laughs> you watched uh, Liverpool beat Tottenham the other night. It was great to see, we're talking about the academy there, the influence of Stevie oh. Highway and opportunity for young players. You, you know, it's well, very difficult. Well, great story. I oh. signed Trent at yeah. seven. So, you, so it's down to you that Trent's at Liverpool? I signed Trent. I said to my wife last night, right, I was watching the game and I got all emotional. She went, what the... You can imagine what she said. She, what are you doing? <laughs> said, See that kid there? He had a choice out of Liverpool and Everton. And I literally... I think I kidnapped him. Me and Brunny and Ollie and Yatesy and, and Gaz and Stuart. We kidnapped him. And literally, we wouldn't let him anywhere. Because he was so good. Do you know he was a striker as a kid? 
He was a striker. He was the best, mate, by a long, long way. And we did everything we possibly can. And we signed him and a kid called Anthony Robinson. I think he's changed his name now uh, through Manifold thing. And he was outstanding. Cameron Brannigan was in the same team. I think Cameron Brannigan was a little bit older than him at the time, I think. Mm. Uh, but he was one of ours. Jordan Roster was one of ours. The, the, that, that batch of players that we signed at six, seven and eight, the, the, the amount of Conor Randall was one of them, funny enough. Uh, so I'm watching these kids now and I'm like, going, oh my God, and we signed him at six, we signed him at seven, we signed him at eight. Remember the battle we had trying to sign him? And at that particular time, you could play for Liverpool on a, on, a, on a Monday, Man United on a Tuesday, Everton on a Wednesday, Man City on a Thursday, um, Bolton or Blackburn on a Friday and you play for your school and, and we, we have to do so much to try and get these kids to the academy yeah but how did you you're, Trent, saying, you're saying there about Trent how did, you, how did you get him to sign in the end you say, his, his mum his mum is amazing okay amazing woman and she took him everywhere and I'm sure he had an older brother as well and he, he used to come in he was a pain as a kid he was brilliant <laughs> he was honestly gone mate I remember forget the kid he and Obviously, I think he's changed his name over the period of time because just, it was just Trent Arnold at that time. Okay, so it's Alex, and, Alexander Arnold now. Yeah, and now and, and, and he was brilliant, mate, honestly. And watching him play the other night for, for the club that you support, my dad phoned me and went, How goes the boy Trent? I mean, Daddy, we had him as a kid. What sort of kid was he? You know, at that very young age, still a million miles away from the first team. Bubbly, fearless. Trent was the best player at that, kid, at that age. I'll tell you the, the best player was as well, three, three, four years old than now, who reminded me of him a little bit. And we lost him to Manchester United, it was Jesse Lingard. OK, so you, you coached him at Liverpool as well? We had Jesse as a kid, yeah. And because I think his granddad, his granddad used to bring him a lot, he, he was a big Man United fan as well at the time. And actually we got all the other clubs eradicated out of his mind as between Liverpool and Man United because Manchester United was on his doorstep. We were still almost favourites to sign him, and he ended up going to Manchester United because that was always that we always knew that'd be a difficult one. Mm-hmm. Um, he and he was very similar to Trent in in, in how he coped with the demands of football. Are you, are you surprised that he's gone back to right back, Trent, to be getting into the first team? Because you said he was a striker. Okay, that shocked the life out of me. But maybe because technically he can cope with the demands of the game there. Because remember, the, the further up the pitch, the, 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 the more inside the pitch you come, the more secure you have to be. The further up the pitch you come, the quicker you have to be technically. So the wider you get, the, the less demand is on your technical attributes and more on your physical attributes because you have space in front of you and behind you. So because he was athletically great and actually technically he was also very good, it sort of does fit the mould of him. And that's the job of a coach at 16, 17, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Well, to finish with, Robbo, you're obviously looking to get back in at some stage. <laughs> what is next for you? Maybe um, on Friday at golf. <laughs> I can't look past that just yet. Okay. Um, I've learned so much, mate, over the last 48, 72 hours. And one thing I can honestly say, working at Liverpool Football Club for seven and a half years is the greatest learning curve I could ever have had working with Yui and Dave and Steve Paul Lee and people like that who have been through the game for a long long time to see them work and to work alongside them or I'm sorry not alongside and nowhere near that I was massively underneath them for a large part of it and watching them every single day and how they conducted themselves it was amazing times mate and I look back on that as the biggest education no FA coaching badge making give me what Steve Ira give us that, that is the perfect way to end Robbo, you've been absolutely superb. Thank you.
top of my mouth. This is the Five Times Podcast, the voice of the ex-Liverpool players. Now another former Red who was there at the game last night, no doubt impressed with what he had to see. Phil Babb joins us. Welcome, Babsy. Good evening, chaps. How are you doing? It was an impressive display. I enjoyed watching Liverpool beat Tottenham in the League Cup. Who would you say was man of the match? Well, I think the, the first standout character was, was Sturridge, clearly, for his goals. Uh, I think there were impressive performances, certainly by Divock Origi. I thought Lucas had a sterling job uh, at the heart of defence as well, certainly in the last sort of 10 minutes or so when when Spurs started throwing everything at us. But um, I, I think just because of Daniel, because it's quite easy for an established international like him. You know, there's quite a few young lads there. You could argue it was almost a reserve game by the teams picked by both managers. Uh, and it's easy for a player of his calibre not to really turn up on the night. But he took his opportunity. Uh, he took his goals well. And he looked like he really wanted to prove a point to the manager. So for me, it was Sturridge. Yeah, I mean, how much credit do you have to give him? Because he hasn't scored a Premier League goal and he's been a little bit in and out. Firmino's been seen as the main striker and as centre-forwards need confidence, need to be scoring goals. He's been short of that, but last night his attitude, his application was there and his sharpness was there because both goals he scored were absolutely superb. That anticipation for the first one and then the 1v1 for the second one. Yeah, well, certainly. Uh, I mean, I was sitting next to Alan Kennedy uh and we both said there's no one else on the pitch that would anticipate that that first goal. You know, he was the only one really on the move when the ball mm-hmm. flew across the six-yard box. And, you know, that's what you expect from, from Daniel Sturridge in the game. Yeah, it's easy not to turn up with those games. Um, but he done, done it, you know, and that's all you can ask for him. And we've seen a change in his attitude this season, I think, when he's not completed 90 minutes or when he's come off the bench. He's certainly given... Uh, a lot more industry towards the team. He seems more like a team player at the moment, but he's given the manager a real headache for uh, for selection for Sunday, and that's all you can do as a player. You know, his job is to score goals, and he's done it. So, so fair play to him. Yeah, well, we made eleven changes for that game, and we saw the strength within the squad. You know, to be a side like Tottenham or a decent side under Pochettino. Yes, they made changes, but you know, there's a, re- a real good sense at Tottenham as well. Things are going to go well for them. What do you reckon the game at Melwood would be like at training? 11 v 11, our first 11 v 11 last night be a tasty game, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an in-joke between pros. You know, the reserves always beat the first team in, the, in those games. <laughs> um, and it, you must have played in a few of them. What, what I played at Melwood? Yeah, not, in the, uh, not in the reserves, mate. No, in the first. No. <laughs> no, no. You must have a story for us. Uh, I, I don't know about a story, but I just I just remember not so much in Liverpool, but certainly at Sunderland under Mick McCarthy. He didn't fancy me at the start of the, uh, the, the season when we were in the championship. I think it was 2003, 2004. And uh, I was just, we were playing at the stadium a lot and I was pinging balls left, right and centre, you know, 40, 50 yard balls. And really making a mockery of, of their back line and you know the the reserves ended up beating the first team 3-0 in an hour game you know and uh, it started me that weekend after that performance so I mean it's always it, whenever you get your chance I suppose what I'm trying to say you've always got to to try and impress the manager or you know dare I say it and I hope I don't offend anyone stick two fingers up to the manager and say look you should be picking me. You should be playing me. And our lads, really, everyone to a T, um, gave a good account of themselves. 
I might change that a little bit. I think Gruwich was a little bit disappointing for me uh, in, in last night. Uh, he's got so much ability, and he looked like someone that was really a bit ring rusty. You know, he was half a yard off the pace. Uh, he tired a bit, didn't he? Yeah, Seventy he did, minutes. You know, and that's time. that's the downside when you're not playing regularly. Um, but I hope he gets the chance to to get some game time, and uh, because I think he really has got a good future at this club. Gruwich, good player, very technically yeah. gifted, and he's a big lump as well. You know, big lad. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like the look of Groot, definitely. Uh, someone who wasn't in the squad, though, last night was Sacco. Reports in France say, suggesting perhaps he could be on his way in January, perhaps leaving Liverpool. Did last night pretty much bring that closer, do you think? I think so. If there was ever an opportunity for him to to ingratiate himself with the manager, I suppose the fans, again, is, is last night. Uh, but he wasn't, you know, included. Uh, and I think that's a that really is a massive message now. Um you know, we, the fallout, it's between him and the manager, really. Um, the manager's very set in his in his ways and his ideas. Uh, and look, he's comfortable with with the centre-halves that we've got. Yeah, we've conceded and we've only kept one clean sheet in the, in the league so far. But while we're scoring at the other end, you know, those, the goals that we have conceded or the, or the mistakes, they're quite easy to eradicate. You know, I'm quite happy with, with, the, with Lovre and I'm very happy with Matip as well. I'm sure the manager is. So where is Sacco going to fit in? And would he sit in on the bench? I don't think so. I think he wants to play. And I'm sure that there'll be, if, if he is made available in January, there'll be no shortage of takers for him. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned there about Matip and Lovren doing extremely well and I have to say I thought with Sacco not playing we may miss him but it seems that that seems to be a real partnership blossoming Matip and Lovren. What do you think the main strengths are as a partnership those two? Well I think Lovren I mean he's certainly blossomed under the manager hasn't he you know we all sort of raised a few eyebrows when he came and then certainly under the former manager he didn't have the best of games but as soon as Jürgen's come in he's really boosted Lovren's confidence and he's, he was certainly one of our best players towards the end of last season and he's continued that form uh, as well this year so he's just grown from strength to strength and he's he's more of the warrior type alongside Matip you know Matip's already from the start of pre-season he's filling out a little bit he's getting broader across the shoulders so physically he's becoming more used to the the combative nature of the Premier League uh, but technically very very good I think it was a Matip for me he never looks ruffled. He never comes off the pitch like he's broken sweat either, but he clearly has, he's got that <laughs> gait on him, you know, and he does it simply. And that's all you need to do, you know, win it and give it. And that's what he does. So, yeah, they're really good. And, I mean, even Lucas, when he comes in, and he's he's done a job there. You know, the centre forwards now have, have changed. They're not the big six foot four sort of Duncan Ferguson type, are they? You know, they're very agile. They're shorter. They're quicker. They're intelligent. And Lucas, you know, he reads the game well um, and he showed that he's competent at, at, uh, on the right-hand side of, of, of a center yeah. pair in last night again. So he's probably, you know, in the manager's mindset as well if he ever needs to replace one of those two guys. Looking at Jurgen Klopp, we've all really enjoyed, obviously, his time at Liverpool so far. There's been huge improvement. What do you think can be achieved this season? We're now in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. Things have started very well in the Premier League. Obviously, a long way to go, but that freshness of having no European football, what do you think we could perhaps achieve this season? Well, I mean, we're all football romantics males, aren't we? You know, we all want the best. You know, we can all think mm. that 
you know, we all think about what Leicester done last year and then everyone says, well, why can't we achieve that? And certainly with the squad we've got, and I think the feeling around Anfield at the moment, it's so positive. Certainly yeah. the way we've we've decimated teams as well and we look like we can score at will at times. Uh, that just gives us a feel-good feeling and you just think, well, why not? Why can't we stay, you know, certainly in the top four all season? Why can't we remain either top or second throughout the throughout the season. There's no reason why we can't, barring injuries. Why can't we win domestic silverware? You know, we're, and I don't like this phrase, but I'm going to use it, the old American phrase, we're the most winningest side in the League Cup. So the omens are good for us to progress, you know. and hope. Really don't like that phrase. Can you rephrase it, please, Babsy? Don't like that one. <laughs> the team that wins the most <laughs> uh, in this competition. And... You know, we've we've got a great history, and why can't we continue that? You know, the FA Cup kicks in, you know, um, in a couple of months or whatever, and you know, we've got a great history in that as well. I think it's a season really to believe, and when you watch us, and then when you watch the strength of our squad, the players last night, you know, we've got as good as chances as, as anyone to bring on the Premier League title this year. Babsy, what's for tea tonight? Chicken. Tikka Madras, <laughs> it's on its way. If the doorbell goes, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, let me just ask you one final question before you get stuck into that, what sounds a decent bite to eat, to be fair. It's going to be a tough one at Crystal Palace at the weekend. How do we stop them? Because we know with Ben Teke, he's going to be a real aerial threat. And one area which we've needed to improve on this season is, is stopping them crosses into the penalty area and dealing with that threat. Yeah, I mean, it's a real strange one, certainly for me as a defender, to to pinpoint because it's such a... When you play teams and... we we done well against West Brom for, for the majority of the game and then one corner and it, you know, it turns into a, a really shaky 15 minutes. Crystal Palace will be the same. Pardew really likes his, his wingers, so we'll be asking them to whip balls in. I just think it's a case of, certainly at, at set pieces, look, the ball is the most important thing. You know, we go for this um, this zonal marking now, but someone has to take charge and try and attack the ball. Matip, very tall. You know, Lovren's not afraid of getting his head stuck in. And we also need a commanding voice from our uh, from our goalkeeper. He's probably going to be a, a carrier's back in goal, but he needs to be a little bit more vocal. We, we know he's a confident lad, but when he's coming out for those crosses... You know, if you've got to take one of your own players out, knock him out of the way, go and claim that ball. And that's what we're missing, just a little bit of confidence. And we need that. If we see our keeper being confident, that spreads through the back four and the lads that are going to mark the big lumps from, from Crystal Palace. It will be tough against Benteke. We know that. You know, he's in a good vein of form at the moment and he want a, put, a point to prove against his former side. So it will be tough, but I still think we've got the tools to... Um, to take Crystal Palace apart and hopefully if our our front four uh, are on fire as they have been then we'll, mm. we'll certainly score goals hope so I hope hope so Babsy hope it's three more points at the weekend go and enjoy your uh, your chicken dinner I will mate I can hear the moped now I can hear him I can hear him <laughs> good timing mate you're a true brilliant brilliant Babsy oh, thanks take care the final word on the five times podcast and finally on the show, a few minutes from a man who started his long career with Crystal Palace, making his debut there in the late 90s and returning there three years later in 2005. 37 now, and he's still playing, I believe, which we'll get onto very shortly. But first, a very warm welcome to the Five Times podcast. It's Clinton Morrison. Clinton, how are you? 
I'm all right, Mel. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Let's start with this weekend then. Palace v Liverpool. Palace, our bogey team. What chance do you give them of continuing that trend, do you think, this weekend? Yeah, I think Palace at Sellers Park are always good. It'll be a difficult game, though, because um, the way Liverpool are playing at the moment, I think Liverpool look brilliant. And I know I know most Liverpool fans, we have a love-hate relationship, but I do think Liverpool this season, probably their, their best chance of, I think they've got a great chance of winning the league. So I think it will be a very difficult game for Crystal Palace. But at home, I think the Palace fans are brilliant and they work ever ever so hard. And then obviously you've got the Ben Teke factor as well. He, he won a score against his old, his old team. So... It'll be an interesting game. I think if you ask any Palace fan now, they'll be happy to take a draw, but because they know the run and the form that Liverpool are on at the moment. Clinton, you mentioned there about how impressed you've been with Liverpool this season. That's perhaps down to the great work going on with Jurgen Klopp. You played against Liverpool last season in the FA Cup. Would you have believed when you played against them the, the transformation that he's made? Oh, he's done unbelievable. He played against the kids, but yeah, they, they wasn't as good as I, I thought they would be on, on the day. But they, and then when we played them at um, Anfield in a replay they were they were unreal and the things that Klopp does they press ever so well and players like Lalana, Coutinho the press is unbelievable and then in attacking third when you've got Mane and people like that that just cause and can open you up they've been brilliant and to be fair if you can't if Sturridge can't get in that team then you must be doing something right because he's a good striker but at the moment you don't fit into the plans because the other strikers were harder than them. It's interesting because you mentioned there about the press and there was a lot of young players playing against yourself when you were playing for Exeter. How hard is it though to play against that sort of intensity, that sort of pressing constantly on you to try and win the ball back? Oh, it's very hard. And you think to yourself they're going to tire and give up, but they don't. And when you have, a, obviously we're a level of League Two, I think when you play against Premier League teams, they might be able to beat the press. But as you've seen this season, a lot of teams are not beating the press. When Liverpool do press, they press, they do it ever so well and they've got a lot of covering players that can sit in and fill in as well so it is very difficult to get out under that press and I think Jurgen Klopp I, I knew straight away as soon as he came I spoke to Adam Lallana when he was on the bench at Exeter and he just said the man's brilliant even if you're not in the team he just makes you feel welcome and makes you feel part of it so everyone's buying into it at the moment Well, You, you mentioned there we're looking ahead to the Palace game with Ben Teke a huge arrival there for Crystal Palace at the start of the season what sort of impact has he made down there? Nah, he's been brilliant I speak to quite a lot of the fans and he's, he, he's that Palace play like him when he went to Liverpool it didn't really suit him at Liverpool Liverpool are, are a passing team who play slick football they're not ones who are going to whip balls in for a 6 foot 3-4 striker to win his headers but I think Palace are like that they try to play a bit of football under Pardew but most of the time it's like get it out to the wingers in Sahar and that and, and Townsend and get crosses in for Benteke and that's what he's thrived on and that's why he scored a few important goals and very good headed goals for Palace so far this season He's going to be up for this one isn't he? After Liverpool <laughs> he'll, definitely, he'll definitely be up for this he, he'll probably think he didn't probably get a, a chance at Liverpool which maybe a lot of fans will probably think he didn't get a chance but at Liverpool when I was watching him he, he was outside the box too much he wasn't mm, in the mm. box in the six yard box where he should be as a striker I think now Padre told him to basically stay in the six-yard box, and that's why he's getting more chances. So he'll, I think any player that plays against their old team has a point to prove, and he definitely will be up for it. What do you make of the current form of Crystal Palace? Because going into the international break, they were absolutely flying, but since back from that international break, it's been back-to-back defeats. Yeah, it's been defeats. I think West Ham they could have got something from that. They margin, they only lost out and. Mr. Penalty and I don't like the way strikers I know you wouldn't run up like that and I know I wouldn't <laughs> run up like that I'd rather strikers just run up and hit the ball with conviction all this stuttering and running up slow 
and that's probably why he missed his penalty. But he scored enough enough goals, so I can't really have a go at him. But yeah, I know Palace will be up for it because they've had a few bad defeats, and obviously at home at Celeste, they're always dangerous. So the, the fans will be looking for a response. So it will be a difficult game for Liverpool, but. I think Liverpool's form at the moment, you fancy them to be favourites, but hopefully Palace can do it. Your relationship with Liverpool fans, it's all patched up now, isn't it? I hope it is. I hope <laughs> it is. Now, after I've done this, mate, I hope it is, because I do believe Liverpool will be there or thereabouts this season. I think they're a terrific team. And you know what? It's the band has always been brilliant with the Liverpool fans. They're, I think they're brilliant fans. And in an ideal world, I am a footballer who probably would have loved to have played for Liverpool, because the way they're copping that are, and the way they sing and get behind their team... It is an amazing club, so and I do hope they do well because I love the way they play football at the moment. Is it possible you could still return again as a player? You still putting the boots still on, Clint? I'm still playing. I'm playing non-league now, Mikelova, doing a bit of coaching. It's just for the love of the game and helping out youngsters. And I just thought to myself, I thought I was going to give it up, and then I thought I just want to be closer to home with my kids who love their football. And I just thought I did. I had that desire still to play, and then Mikelova Sports came along and. I'm enjoying my time there playing there and they play some good football so I don't have to run the channels anymore mate. I can just stay up front and get the ball to feet <laughs> <laughs> Right okay how many, go- how many goals have you scored then this season? That's the stat we I always ask three- the centre forward Yeah not yet three- I've scored- I've- I only just joined um, so I've scored three goals in seven games so it's not too bad and I've had a couple of assists so it ain't too bad at the moment You do, like, all the-, right. the one thing Mel it is a lot different to playing um <laughs> Um, league football where you can get chances created is very difficult but sometimes you have to create your own chances Clint absolutely brilliant thanks for coming on no worries thanks for having me this is the five times podcast hosted by Neil Meller at Ellie's in Greasby so it's Crystal Palace this weekend for Liverpool let's hope for another three points there my thanks to the guests on this week's five times podcast Jan Moby Phil Babb Dominic Matteo Carl Robinson and Clinton Morrison and also a huge thanks to all of you for listening